Luke chapter 1, and we're finally finishing the first chapter in the book of Luke. We're going to be walking through Luke for a little while, but um, I hope you guys are gaining as much as I'm gaining from it. Um, I'm pleading with you to not just come to church um, and open up for Luke in the first time this Sunday morning. I pray that you're studying through this book with me and as a church, because when the church does that, um, man, something big happens. And so y'all study the book of Luke throughout the week. Uh, but I want to I share a story with you guys this morning. Um, you guys know I'm a Cali boy, right? My wife's obviously a Texas girl, um, and both, the, both of us love riding horses, okay? Believe it or not, right? I like skateboards and horses, okay? Um, and, and this is a little plug. If you have a horse that my wife can ride, she really wants to ride a horse, and so help me out on a date night. Um, if you have a horse, let me come and um, take my wife on a date, please. Um, but uh, when I was younger, my mom and her personality, she gets an idea in her head and she takes off with it. And my mom saw a sign that said horse for sale. And in her mind, she goes, man, this is a great idea. I'm going to buy this horse. And my mom bought a horse. OK, we lived in the ghetto, had no land, no property. And so she bought the horse and the farmer said, well, where are you going to take it? And my mom said, well, how much are you going to charge me to keep it here? <laughs> and so we paid the guy a little bit of money to keep the horse there on his property in, in Houston, California. And uh, it was awesome. But the thing about this horse was um, she was addicted to junk food. Okay? When she saw any type of like chips or candy, snicker bars, she got excited. Okay? And so what would happen is if you were on her, you were riding... She's good to go. She'll do whatever you want. She's very well trained. But if she saw junk food, her excitement would take over and she would take off. And I didn't know this. Okay, my mom bought the horse. She knew it all. The farmer told her, hey, don't let her see McDonald's or chips or anything. Her favorite junk food was hot Cheetos. And my little sister, so I, my mom said, are you going to jump up there? I said, yeah, I'm going to jump on that horse. And so I jumped on the horse, and my little sister comes from the car holding a big bag of, you know what, hot Cheetos. And it was all good, and we're trotting around, I feel awesome, right, ghetto cowboy, whatever, we're riding around, it's awesome. And then my sister opens that, and I don't know if horses have scents like this, like a good sense of smell, but that horse's head whipped around, and she took off, man, she was bunking, hit calves in the air, it was crazy. And her stable, that she, that, like, her stable for her, I had to duck to get into it. And that's exactly where she was running into, is inside the stable. And so I bear hugged this horse's back. She ran into the stable, bucked me, I hit the top of the door frame, and she just went crazy inside the stable. So excited that she smells some hot Cheetos. All right? And so I don't know if your horse does that. We're not coming to ride it, first of all. But I don't know if you've ever been that excited about something. Um... Zachariah, in this moment, he is pumped up. For nine months, his mouth was shut, and the Holy Spirit, God, loosened his mouth up, loosened his tongue, and he opened his mouth, and he was nothing short than excited about what he was about to proclaim. And he was about to praise God, um, praise God for the fact that God keeps his promises and praise God for the fact that Jesus was on his way. Amen? And so I want us to pray. But I want you to think about that excitement. Do you get excited about that? 
Hearing God's promises being fulfilled. Hearing what God's doing in, in your friend's life, in their church's life. It, are you excited about what God is doing in your own life? And if you are, are you running around like that horse in Empire, California? Are you that excited that as soon as your mouth opens, praise is coming out of you? If it's not, we need to have a little heart check. Amen? Let's pray, and we're going to get started. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for um, being here, God. We feel your presence, God. We know that you're working um, here right now, God, in our hearts and in our lives. But, Lord, I pray for more of your presence, more of your grace, more of your mercy. God, thank you for um, worship, being able to come and just sing to you, God, and bless you, God, and, and praise you for who you are. Um, but, God, we want to read into your Scripture now, Lord. So I pray that you help interpret the Scripture to us, God, that we would understand what you're trying to say, Father. Um, but more importantly, God, don't let us leave unchanged, God. Touch our hearts, touch our mouths, that we would be excited as Zechariah was the day that you opened his mouth, God. Lord, we love you. Be with us, God. Use me as your microphone and forgive us where you failed. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. You can follow along in your Bible or just follow along with me. And it says this in verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... Alright, so you guys have to remember, if you haven't been with us the past couple weeks, you have to remember, this man, Zechariah, he's old. He's an old man, and literally he's been speechless for the past nine months. God had shut his mouth. And if you don't know the backstory, it's because he was in disbelief that God was going to be able to do what God said he was going to do. So nine months before this, the, the whole community, they never heard, never heard a word from the Lord for 400 years, right? And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah and says, you are going to have a baby, right? Not him, but his wife, right? Praise God for that, right? Your wife is going to have a baby. And what was miraculous about that, why that was a big deal is because she was also old and barren, could not have a child. And so Zechariah's response was, well, Lord, how are you going to do this? And in his unbelief, um, the angel Gabriel rebuked him, shut his mouth, and for nine months he could not say a word. And last week, if you were with us, we talked about how all of a sudden God's promise came true. Why? Because his wife Elizabeth, what happened to her? She had a baby. God made a promise and he fulfilled it. He kept his promise. They had a baby. And then when um, they asked him, what is the baby's name going to be? Everyone thought, remember last week we talked about his name's going to be after you. It's going to be Zechariah, right? It's going to be awesome. And he wrote down on a tablet saying, not your iPad, not a tablet, but some stone and stuff, right? His name is John. And he was being obedient to what God had spoke to him through the angel to name his son John, who John would be the forerunner for Jesus Christ, Right? How amazing is that? And so when he said that, he became obedient. His mouth, his tongue was loosened, and he's about to open his mouth and be a huge mouthpiece for God. What he's about to say, some scholars say that there's about 33 allusions to the Old Testament scripture here. So when his mouth opens, he's not just saying what's on his mind. He is quoting scripture. He's praising God, using Scripture. And we don't have enough time this morning to go through all 33 of those, right? I suggest that you go look all those up. We'll hit a few of them today. But 33 allusions to Old Testament Scripture is coming out of his mouth. That's pretty awesome. How many of you know 33 uh, Bible verses by memory? Raise your hand. Don McIntyre has the whole Bible memorized, right? So he doesn't count. 33 allusions to the Old Testament. 
And look about, and, and what, Z, what Zechariah is really praising about is one, he's praising God for keeping his promises to David. And then he's praising God for keeping his promises to Abraham, keeping his promise that God made to Zechariah, but then he's praising God for the coming of the sunrise, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's look at verse 68. Let's dig into these. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. What Zechariah is talking about was God's promises that were made to David, the covenant between God and David. And God promised David that he would establish his kingdom forever, that through his lineage, that there would be kings after kings after kings, right? And God made this promise through Nathan, the prophet Nathan. And, and when King David was at the highest point of his kingship, here comes Nathan. I want you guys to hear this promise that the Lord made. It's in 2 Samuel. Y'all don't have to turn there, but it's 2 Samuel um, chapter 7, and it says this. From the time that I appointed judges over my people of Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Isaiah said it a little, um, a little more clear for us. He says this in Isaiah 9 verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Amen? And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and, he, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Zechariah is praising God for keeping his promise to, Zach, uh, to, to David. You know that that promise from God got all the people of Israel kind of excited. All the people of Israel, they were looking forward to this kingdom that will never end. That this kingdom that would come and reign in, in justice and righteousness. This kingdom that was almighty, principally, all these things that the, that the people of Israel, they were excited about. And you guys know who that great king is, right? I love spoiler alerts. It's Jesus. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And his kingdom will reign forevermore. Zechariah is praising God that Jesus is coming and his kingdom is going to reign forever. Look back at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord of God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servants. Now that metaphor of horn comes from um, like literally animals horns, like a buffalo or an ox. Right. It symbolizes strength and power. Right. When I was in college, um, Randomly, me and my roommates got really addicted to like the animal channel. 
you know, like the like National Geogra- Geographic and all that stuff. And we got really addicted to it. So we were watching all these documentaries on animals. And, and the one that we really got interested in is the um, Cape Buffalo in Africa. You guys know what that is? That's the buffalo that has horns kind of curl out like a mustache. And they, I mean, they're, they're big, right? And when that Cape Buffalo starts rubbing his feet on the ground, like a bull, right? He starts swaying his head around, starts waving those horns around. He's trying to show that, hey, he's about to attack and it's not about to be good. Amen? It's, a, it's about to be something. It's coming. It's about to be powerful. It's going to hurt if you're in the way. And here's this horn of salvation that Zechariah is talking about. This horn of salvation that is being raised up from the house of David would be raised up in mighty ways. And all along, this horn of salvation is Jesus Christ, the king, who would be raised up and be the horn of salvation for us. That there's no other way to salvation except through Jesus Christ and his power to defeat sin and death. He is our horn of salvation. God didn't hear me, huh? He is the horn of our salvation. His power, his kingdom, his might. He is the horn of salvation. And that's good. What is your horn of salvation? What, are, what is it that you are rising up and saying, man, you are powerful, you are almighty? Is it Jesus Christ the King who is the Lord of your life? If it's not, what is it? If it's not Jesus that's reigning over your life, if you're not trying to find salvation and forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ, if you're trying to find it in yourself, you're not strong enough. If you're trying to, be, uh, to have good morals, you're not going to be good enough. If it's coming to church, that's awesome. I want you here. But that's not strong enough to give you salvation from your sins. The horn of salvation, that power is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. That's the horn of salvation. He's praising. Jesus is coming. The horn of salvation will be raised up. It's good, right? Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save the uttermost of those who draw near to God through Him. He is able to save whoever we are, whatever we've done, whatever sin is in our life, whether you think it's a great sin or a little sin, sin equals death. I don't care if you've murdered, you cheated on your spouse, you're an alcoholic, you're a drug addict, you're a liar, you're a cheater, you've betrayed somebody. Sin is sin, and God can save us from our sin. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done. God can save you. God can save you. If he can save a person like me and use me to build his kingdom, he can do it for you. There's nothing in this world that Jesus can't save you from. So Zechariah is not only praising God for keeping his promises to David, but then he kind of switches it up to Abraham. You know, Father Abraham. I'm not going to sing the song, right? Now we switch to, we switch to Abraham, but I want you to see verse uh, 72. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers... And to remember his holy covenant, the oath that it was sworn to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Right. So now Zechariah is bringing up the covenant and promise made to Abraham because that was that was the first covenant. Right. Everything that happened to David, Abraham had to happen first. Right? Y'all, y'all with me, right? But here's the promise that God made Abraham. You guys remember the story. Same exact story as Zechariah and his wife is, is with Abraham and Sarah. 
right? Old people, barren, right? About 100 years old, can't have a kid. All of a sudden, God says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have some kids, and your, your offspring is going to outnumber the stars. And what did they do? What was their response? They laughed, right? I'm old. Do you forget God? Hey, I'm old. My wife is old. We're way past that time in our life, right? But here comes God, and he's making this promise to them. And God was pleased with Abraham. Genesis 15, 6 says that Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham's face said, okay, I'm old. So be it. I know you're God. You're going to do it. And it was counted to him as righteousness. God was pleased with Abraham's faith. And God affirmed his promises to Abraham through his son Isaac. You guys remember that story, right? Here comes the promise that God gave Abraham. Here's your son. His name is Isaac. Here you go. And and Isaac grows. He's teaching him the ways, right, of of sacrificing to God and worshiping God and serving God. And all of a sudden, God gives him the hard test. Hey, I want you to sacrifice your son. And God's not into sacrificing babies, okay? I promise, okay? If you've never heard the story, I don't want you to go home thinking that. But God was testing Abraham, and here, here comes Abraham, and he, and he gathers all the equipment, and he gets his son, and they're, they're walking up the mountain, and, and the son's starting to ask questions like, hey, what are we doing? Hey, we're building an altar, we're going to make a sacrifice. And the son's like, all right, cool, let's go, Dad. And so they're making the altar, they're, they're getting the wood ready, and the son asks, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And he binds his son Lays him on the altar, having complete faith that God knows what he's doing. We don't know his plan. We, we can't, we, like I was telling um, uh, Miss Mary earlier, sometimes it's better not to know the plan. Sometimes it's better just to have faith knowing, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you are God. Your word is true. You are truth. And so I trust in you. And that's what Abraham did. And he was about to strike his son in midair. As he was told to stop. And I want you to see um, in Genesis 22, you don't have to turn there, but Genesis 22, verse 16, um, says this right here. And and, and the Lord declares, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations in your offspring uh, of all the nations of earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham's faith. God was pleased. And, and, And now Zechariah years later. Because of Abraham's obedience and servant years later, filled with the Holy Spirit, opens his mouth and starts proclaiming how good God is because of what he did with Abraham. Zechariah opens his mouth and he's praising God because the promise that God made was fulfilled. Was being fulfilled right then, right there. Zechariah saw it. He knew Jesus was about to be born and everything was kind of falling in place. This big plan that God had, that God had was falling in place place and so this promise that god made you know it's it's being fulfilled not only so that we can be saved from our enemies that's what abraham god was telling abraham you will be delivered from your enemies not only that but we would have and and finally um experience freedom if you've experienced freedom from something say amen. amen if something that had control of you at one point but now you've been set free because of what jesus has done in your life i want you to testify say amen 
that freedom is so good. Zechariah said that we would be able to serve him without fear and in holiness and in righteousness for before him all of our days. Praise God. That in freedom, we can serve God. In our freedom, we have the choice to choose and serve God. He gives us freedom. He sets us free. That's what we just celebrated. Bunch of fireworks. My dog was freaking out all night, right? We just celebrated freedom, but the freedom that we celebrated has nothing compared to the freedom that we get in Jesus Christ our Lord. That freedom has nothing compared to what Jesus can do. Remember the Israelites. They were in slavery for generations and generations, and God set them free. He sent Moses to the Pharaoh. Do you guys remember this? Here's some Sunday school for you, right? Sent Moses, tell him, go to the Pharaoh and tell him to set my people free so that they can do what? Worship me. Set them free so that they can worship me. That's what God wants. I know freedom is good. Freedom is good. But I don't think that freedom just for freedom's sake is what God had in mind when he was setting us free. I I don't think just for freedom's sake that we've been set free. I think we have been set free. And I think God cares more about your choice in your freedom. Your choice to serve him with your entire life. What are you doing with your freedom? My favorite Christian rapper, Triple E, says, He gave me new commands and he freed me up to follow. You have been set free. If you are founded in Christ, you have been set free. And God wants you to choose to serve him. You're free to serve him. You're free. Y'all don't like freedom, huh? I love it. That means there's there's no box around what I can do for the Lord. That God, there was a box, and here was the set rules. God broke that box open and said, You are free to serve me without fear. In holiness and in righteousness. Mary said it best. She said it right here. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You have been set free to worship and serve God. That should be a sure staple in your life. That the joy that you have, the excitement that you have about who Jesus is and what he's done in your life, that should be that joy should be overflowing into the freedom that you have and you making the decision to be obedient daily. Not just obedient to walk in here. That's, that's not true obedience. Anyone can just walk in here, sit down and walk out. I don't know which one of you do that. <laughs> but it's easy to come in, sit down and go home. That's easy. That's not choosing to serve God. That's just, you're kind of wasting a Sunday morning. You could have slept in if that's what your goal is. Just don't come in, sit down, say hi and leave. Sleep in. But you can also choose to be obedient to God, to come into this building, to get fired up, to worship with your brothers and sisters, to get sharpened because iron sharpens iron. You being real with someone, being open and vulnerable with somebody, telling them what's actually going on in your heart. Come in here, be in community, and leave fired up, ready to serve the community that God puts you in. That's what church is. That's what freedom looks like. Zechariah's praising. I'm getting out of control here. 
Look at verse 76. He switches it up and he says, And you, child, so now he's talking to his son, John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. So now he's talking about his son and he begins to prophesy over his son. And if you're a parent in here, this is important. I want you to understand what Zechariah is doing here. Zechariah is speaking life to his kids. Zacharias, if you're a grandparent or parent in here, God is speaking life to his son. And I want you to see, I'll bring it up, well, I'll just show you now. Look at verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. You think that happened because he didn't speak life to him? He was speaking, son, you have a plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Son, look at what God wants to do with you. And so my challenge, this is, this is just for free, okay? This isn't the sermon, this is for free. If you're a parent or a grandparent or if you're an uncle and aunt, if you've got a neighbor who has a bunch of kiddos or if you're a church member when the children's ministry is exploding, right? If you have a church that had 18 salvations for VBS, I want you to listen to what Zechariah did. He's speaking life to his son. Who are you speaking into to try to raise them up in the ways of the Lord? That's called discipleship. That's called what, the, what Jesus told us to do. It's not a newsflash there. Get a, get a kid. Speak life to them. Tell them about God. Tell them about that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. Makes a difference. All right, now we get back to it. I'm sorry, that was for free. I'm a little distracted this morning. But he's talking about his son and begins to prophesy about John. And John will be great. Jesus literally says that no one else born of woman would be greater than this man, John. And you've got to understand that John is different than all the other prophets. Right? John is literally the forerunner, meaning his only mission is to come into this world and literally beat the path before Jesus gets here and just prepare everybody for what Jesus is going to come and do. John's only mission was to come and say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's a good job. I like that. Sign me up for that one, right? If he could be the forerunner for Jesus Christ, his only mission to come in and to literally break and soften the hearts of the people of Israel. He isn't Jesus. He can't be salvation. And many times people try to come to him and goes, I'm not even worthy to untie the man's sandals. Jesus is coming. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. My favorite thing that John says is that he must decrease so that Jesus could increase. And Zechariah is sitting here and he's prophesying over his son and he's praising God for what God has did for him. He made a promise that you will have a son and here he is. And so lastly, God starts praising, Zechariah starts praising God for the rising sun, the sunrise. And I want you to hear how Zechariah ends his song, okay? Y'all follow along. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Don't lose me right now. Verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, I don't know if you've ever been out in the wilderness, right? Out in the darkness, it's, it's kind of creepy, right? I love, I've been on many backpacking trips with youth. We go on two-week backpacking trips, but... You get to a certain point in the nighttime in the wilderness, and it's dark. Um, have you ever been out in the desert? 
Um, driving down a highway 40 going through the desert, it's, it, it gets real dark. I mean, sometimes the stars aren't shining. Moon's not shining, it feels like. And that's almost what Zechariah is painting here. Zechariah is almost, it's like he's almost painting a picture of Israel being out in the wilderness, kind of sending in darkness, the shadow of death, lost and hopeless. But here's the deal. We know that when the sun goes down, at some point, what's going to happen? The sun's going to rise again. We know if the sun goes down, at some point, it's going to rise again. And here's what Zechariah, this is what we have here. Look at 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Your version might say day spring. If you got the King James Version, some might have um, NIV. It might say the first light of heaven. All that means, to make it real simple for you, is that the real sun, the S-O-N, is coming soon. Zechariah said the sun is going to rise. And Jesus, here in a few, literally the next section of Luke's account, Jesus is born. The sun rose right then and there. Y'all don't believe me, do you? Y'all don't believe me. Jesus came to be the light in this dark world. To light the ways for sinners to know that He is who He says He is. That He is the horn of salvation. Jesus coming, He's fulfilled so many things. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 says, But for you who will fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from a stall. Like that ghetto horse I rode in Empire, California. Come leaping out. Jesus is the sunrise. Uh, God, y'all. This is exciting. Second Peter 1.19. Jesus uh, is saying, Is the morning star who rises in our hearts. Revelation calls him the bright morning star. Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever will follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life in him. Come on. He is the sunrise. He goes on to tell his followers, Matthew 13, 43, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. See, where Jesus is, the darkness has to flee. Where Jesus is, there cannot be darkness because Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. And I don't know how many of you are in here today, uh, but I know, I know some of you probably feel like you're walking through some darkness right now. I know that. In a room with this many people and it's someone in here, you're, you're walking through the darkest time in your life right now. That, literally, the valley of the shadow of death, whatever you want to call it. But I know someone in here feels like they have lost their way and you cannot see the light. And I've been there in my own life. I remember what it feels like to be so lost, not knowing God. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what's next. And and it just feels like you couldn't do anything. But you have to know that when you surrender to Jesus, he is able to light up your world. He is able to light up your world and that world that is lit. It would be able to guide your feet into the way of peace. Look at verse 79. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. 
That's more than just never having problems again. That's more than never experiencing heartache ever again. That's more than, you know, here's my problem. God fixed it. I'm good to go now. That's more than here's what happened. Now it's all better. It's more than that. That peace only comes from knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's, it's literally being complete. It's the gift of God that is free with Him. And we do not deserve it. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Those of you right now who, who have experienced this healing and this wholeness and this peace, you know what that feels like. When you've experienced peace that only comes from God, you, there's no other experience like it. You can't describe it sometimes. And that experience, you experiencing how good God is, that should bring some type of joy into your life. You should want to praise and sing and worship and serve because of how good that is. Amen? Y'all look tired. I'm going to end it like this. As the sunrise that comes from on high, as he rose in your life, have you experienced that peace that only comes from God? Zechariah talks about this horn of salvation. Many of you right now, you need the strength of the Lord. You have a problem, that problem is sin. And Jesus being the sunrise means more than just him being born. Because Jesus was born. We're about to read about him next week. Go study it this week, all right? Come back next week ready to go. But Jesus was born and he lives this perfect life. And eventually says, hey, your will be done to his father. And God and all the wrath that He has towards our sin, that's our problem. God hates sin and guess what we are? Guess what we're full of? Don't answer. Be careful how you answer that. You're full of sin. And God's wrath burns passionately for sin, against sin. So that problem means that your sin in your life, God passionately hates. But God also passionately loves you. And how he fixes this problem and the wrath that he has towards your sin is that he, instead of him pouring it out on you, which will we deserve, we deserve God's wrath in our life because of our sin. Instead of that, Jesus comes, his son being sacrificed, lives a perfect life so he can be the perfect sacrifice so that this cup of wrath that God has towards your sin and towards my sin pours it out on his son. And Jesus took on that penalty for us. And here's what happens. Jesus' body gets put into the grave. That's pretty dark, right? I would say so. Three days later, we can praise again. The sun rose once again. The sun rose once again. Not the sun in the sky. The S-O-N rose from the grave, conquering that problem that we have called sin. It's more than just a solution. 
It's more than just, oh, here's my, here's my problem, fix it, God. He did that to free you from your sin so that you would freely choose to serve him and to worship him. And so I'm going to have the worship team come up. And I want to deal with just two people this morning. God might be calling you to do something. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I know he's calling. It's not possible for this to happen and God not call somebody. That's impossible. But if you have experienced that horn of salvation, if you have experienced that peace that comes with having a relationship with Jesus Christ, but something has stopped you from being excited about it, something is, is hindering you from, from being that calf led out of the stall, running around screaming Jesus' name, I know, I know that happens. When you first get saved, man, you're fired up, and then, and then years later, you get... It's, you get older, you get tired. Zechariah was old. And he's older than most, pretty much everyone in here. That did not stop him from opening his mouth and worshiping and serving God his Father. What is stopping you? What is stopping you? Maybe some of you in here need to repent. Uh, and rededicate your life. That should happen every single day. But maybe some of you need to get serious about your faith and say, God, I, I'm tired of, of my circumstance controlling what I do. I want to be in your freedom. I want to serve and worship you. Do that today. And some of you in here, you have a problem and, and your solution, if it's not Jesus, it's, your solution is not going to work. It's not going to work. So if you're in here and you've never experienced that peace, maybe you feel like you're in that valley of the shadow of death, you're in darkness, come to Jesus and let him be the light of your life. Let him bring you to the peace that only you can have through Jesus Christ. So we're going to stand and that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to make that decision. You have the free choice. Y'all stand up. You have the free choice to worship and follow God. God didn't make you like a wind-up robot to us, right? That little line, how many of Thank you. 
right here. Amen. When you decide to get out of the way, God do what he wants to do in your life. What comes from that is amazing. I'm not going to tell you he's going to bless you with a million dollars. I hope so, so you can help me out with some of my days. But what God does in someone's life, when they just allow God to move, it's so amazing. <laughs> you've experienced that, say amen. Amen. I hope so. If you haven't, you should. Get out of the way. Surrender to God. Uh, Derek has a prayer request that he wants to share with you guys. Just pray for my sister because she's been at this county ever since I was little. She's been with me ever since I was little, but now she's not. So all she needs to know is pray. That's right. So y'all be, y'all be praying for Derek's sister. Um, she's going to be praying. So I think there's another uh, announcement for Chris and Sylvia. Chris and Sylvia, we're praying for you um, and, and uh, celebrating your mom's life. Uh, we're going to be having a bus uh, leave. Charlie, what time will we say we're leaving tomorrow? If you catch me now, they're going to say the whole visitation. Visitation's from 5 to 7, right, Chris? Yeah. 5 to 7 in Rogersville. Uh, we're going to leave here at 4 30. Yeah, if you can come and support Chris and Sylvia, uh, celebrate his mama's life in Rogersville, we'll have a bus in here. Um, you say 4.30? Yeah. 4.30, and then um, the funeral, um, is the graveside is Tuesday at 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock. Um, we're praying for you, Brother Heidi. We're glad to see you. We're praying for you. We love you. Know that we're lifting you up in our prayers. And, um, we're going to continue to do so. Amen. And then, Ken, uh, you have one more announcement? One more announcement. Yes, sir. Make it real quick. I'm not sure you make it. Uh, dear vacation, my school, a couple of us men got together and had a little talk here and there every night and kind of really enjoyed the fellowship. So this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, for any man that wants to come from Hagger Road Yard, we're going to meet the fellowship hall. We're going to have uh, maybe some snacks. It won't be much, but uh, eat before you come or even be prepared to eat afterwards. We're going to have a few snacks. We're going to have a short devotional, and we're just going to sit around and get to know each other better. And we want as many of you to come as possible, because we all want, we need that bond, man and man. We really do. And we'd love for all of you to come to us. Absolutely. All right. Let's be dismissed and pray. Uh, but it don't matter, we pray for us, we'll be dismissed. service that you have provided. Thank you for the ministry of our pastor, that he faithfully studies, he faithfully prepares and opens your words to speak to our hearts. We thank you for the encouragement that we receive just worshiping you and singing praises to your holy name. We are thrilled at the two who have followed you in believers' baptism today. And God, we're so happy to receive them into the fellowship of the church. As we leave this service of God, may we leave filled with your Holy Spirit, thankful for the forgiveness of sins. Use us, we pray, in your service even today. In Jesus' name.